Well, welcome. This is um, a bit of a one-off for The Hub, which is like our Christian Union group in uh, Dean Close Senior School. Um, for you to listen to uh, today, what's the date today? It is the 3rd of June. Um, and so this is the talk for uh, for our um, little meeting. Greetings, everyone. I hope it's a blessing to you. Let me let me just pray as we uh, as we get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your truth. And uh, we pray that we'd be all ears now. We pray that we would allow you to communicate with us. We pray that you'd communicate to us in such a way that you'd change us. Pray that you'd sow seeds in our lives that bear a huge amount of fruit. Would you breathe new life into us? For Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Well, hey guys. Um, weird for me not to actually be with you uh, virtually in person um this week but um i can't be my apologies um just <laughs> family dynamics being what they are at the moment and on which just excuse any family noise and kiddie noise in the background we've just been clearing blood off the walls of uh, Hawley and layla's room uh, after a bit too much rumbustiousness in uh, in their room um the committee have asked me to speak on um kind of devotions um our personal walk with the lord that kind of thing and um so so that's what i'm going to do from psalm 19 which i'll read in a minute and my prayer is that listening to this would be hugely helpful perhaps in getting you back into reading your Bible and drawing near to the Lord and enjoying him, or perhaps getting you to do that for the first time. Perhaps it just has never been in your routine and your schedule. You know you should be doing it. Christians talk about it, but it's just never been you. Um, so my prayer is that this is a, a bit of a springboard back into that or into that for the first time. So we're in Psalm 19. If you've got a Bible, uh, do turn to it now. I'm going to read it uh, now in two uh, chunks with a bit of um, speaking from me in between each. Psalm 19, for the director of music, a psalm of David. It's a song to sing. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read it. You'll be glad to hear. The heavens, that is the sky, declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. That They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, and yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, his, his room, his bedroom, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other, and nothing is deprived of its warmth apart from today when it's 11 degrees and a little bit colder than it has been in the last little while but there we go so that's psalm 19 verses 1 to 6 and it's the first little chunk i want to look at in this psalm there are two ways of god speaking to the world and to us and in this first part of the psalm it's creation speaking i wonder did you know that the world is speaking that the world has its own Twitter account, as it were. And the question for us is, are we listening to creation? And David here in this psalm, it almost enjoys some of the paradox here. Did you notice some of the paradoxes in, in the way in which he speaks about it? Um, creation speaks in a speechless way. Creation has a voice which doesn't have a voice. It speaks in a way which 
can be heard but doesn't use words. It's almost a riddle, isn't it? It's almost a riddle. And David is, is, is at the limits of language to try and express how the beauty and the complexity of creation speaks wordlessly but wonderfully of its creator, of our creator. And what kind of speech is this? Well, firstly, it's glorious. It's glorious. Did you see that? There's this wonderful kind of couple of pictures in um, verse 4 and 5. Uh, God's pitched a tent for the sun, like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, his bedroom. Um, none of you are married, I hope, uh, yet in the hub. But um, let me tell you, uh, for those of you who do get married, when you wake up on your wedding day and you 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 bounce out of bed, it's a big day in the diary. You're excited. You've got a, a smile on your face. And uh, it's it's a big red letter day, so if you if you film a bridegroom coming out of his bedroom on the wedding day, you are filming one happy and maybe slightly nervous uh, man. And 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 uh, David here is saying that that's like the sun when it rises at the moment. The sun rises ridiculously early and wakes our little children up, which is very annoying. But it's a beautiful thing. If you watch a sunset, each one is different. Living here on school site, we get such a privilege seeing God's canvas lit up morning by morning. I wish it wasn't quite so early, but it is a thing of beauty. And David is saying it, the, the sunrise every morning is, is, is as joyous as uh, a bloke about to get married that day to the love of his life. Or he's another image, end of verse 5, it's like a champion rejoicing to run his course, like Usain Bolt having won the 100 metres Olympics, uh, having got the world record, then doing the lap of honour with his Jamaican flag behind him. It's a picture of strength as the sun arcs over our sky and then hits dusk. It's a picture of strength and joy and glory. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. And the writer here is saying, David is saying that the world is a wonderfully glorious place. Open your eyes to see it. Open your ears to hear it. Open your nostrils to smell it, especially at this time of year. Beautiful in creation. So the message is glorious. It's also very general in content. I wonder what people would conclude about the nature of God just by looking uh, outside at creation. You could work out many things. You could work out that he's very powerful, that he's got an eye for beauty, that he's very precise, that he's got flair, that he's got humour and a sense of um, a sense of humour. I mean, you know, to have made the okapi and the uh, giraffe—I don't know. Some um, creatures are hilarious, aren't they? But you couldn't work out exactly what God is like from creation. So this message from creation is a general one in its content, but also general in its reach. Uh, did you notice that? Uh, end of verse four, uh, their words from creation goes to the ends of the world. So you don't need a chapel service. You don't need a hub talk. You don't need a Bible study um, to hear these things from creation, that there is a creator. Everyone who's ever lived anywhere across the world, anywhere in human history, has being exposed to this song, this message, this speech from creation. Everyone hears it. So I wonder, are you listening? Are we listening to creation? In a sense, there's no better time to listen to creation than during lockdown, when we've got more time, when those afternoons are free, when maybe you're an exam, public exam year group, and um, 
and you've got a lot of free time now. I wonder whether you would ever stop and listen and smell and admire and photograph creation. I wonder if we recognise this message in even the language we use about the outdoor world. It sounds pernickety, but I think we should be careful with our language, talking about creation and not nature. Of course, what is natural to the world is testament to the fact that there is a creator. But it's a wonderful witness, even in that little term we use, witnessing, giving glory to God, the creator, when we say creation is looking beautiful today. We don't worship creation, unlike uh, some of the panentheistic religions, but we do allow it to point us to the creator, the maker. I've spent some time over half time in Cranham Woods, just near home uh, for us. And honestly, totally gorgeous and beautiful. Those emerald leaves, the dappled sunlight coming through, moments of shade and cool and then heat and light. Beautiful. And I stopped with our children in the middle of the woods and we prayed. We prayed a prayer of thanks. And it was a way of us not worshipping the woodland, but worshipping the God who had the imagination and the power to make it. I wonder, do you have moments like that in your day? I wonder whether we could use the outdoor world to amplify our witness to the Lord Jesus for friends and family who are thinking about faith, who are interested, who aren't even interested. It's a wonderful thing because they are hearing this speechless speech from creation. Why not just use that as a little springboard? Wow, look at the complexity of that plant. Look how fragile that tulip is. Oh, smell this uh, honeysuckle. Isn't that gorgeous? Isn't creation wonderful? So that's the first type of speech that we have in this psalm. I'm going to read the second half now and talk a little bit about that. This is uh, verse 7 and onwards. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much poor pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Oh, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, here we have the second uh, speech that there is to listen to from our creator God. And this is speech of a different kind. It is precise. It is to be found in text, in words, in sentences, paragraphs and books and letters. It's found in the law of the Lord, in the canon of scripture, in the Bible, as we would say in our language. And he canters through these wonderful pictures of what the Bible is. And we're just going to walk through some of them. I wonder whether you know how privileged you are to have a Bible on your bookshelf that you're able to open. The law of the Lord is perfect. There's a precision to the Bible. If you read Proverbs and the wisdom literature, it's so refreshing to see precisely how to live, the best way to live. Uh, verse 7, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. 
we, they're reliable. They hold true in every culture, in every moment in history. We never regret. I've never regretted doing anything the Bible has told me to do. Uh, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right. They're, they're fundamentally, capital T, true. And they bring joy to us, therefore, the psalmist says. I wonder if you know what a privilege it is to have truth in your life. Something you can depend on, that you only to wake up in the morning and say, yes, I've got questions about life. Sometimes things are hard. I can ask why, but fundamentally I know why I'm here and I know my creator, God and my redeemer. That is a wonderful thing. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. You know, C.S. Lewis used to say, I believe in God the same way as I believe in the sun. Not because I see the sun, but by its light, I see the world around me. It's a very powerful image, isn't it? And in the same way, as we allow God's word to shed light onto the world around us, our relationships, tricky decisions we have to make, um, different emotional seasons we go through, well, actually, he makes sense of who we are and who our friends are and who our family are and our life events in such a way that, wow, he must be real. He brings light to our eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Sometimes we struggle with this idea of fearing the Lord, but it is a reminder, a reminder for us that the Lord is to be revered. He's not our pal. Yes, he befriends us in the Lord Jesus Christ, but he is God and Lord of all. If he was to walk into my study now in the person of Jesus Christ, I would fall to the floor as if dead. So, so glorious is he. And I've often said that we relate to the Lord like we relate to the sea. We're careful. We take precautions. We recognise the sea is more powerful than us, that it can hurt us very seriously. And yet we love going on seaside holidays. It is glorious. It's not a deterrent, but we are careful. There's a fear of the Lord. And you see in verse 10, these images, uh, God's word is more precious than gold. It's more valuable than receiving a huge inheritance from your parents or your grandparents to hold this Bible book in your hands. Uh, sweeter than honey. It's like a, a wonderful, I don't know, cinnamon and raisin bagel with honey on it, slathered with honey to read God's word. It brings a sweet taste to our mouths and our hearts. And, and, and David thinks about all these things and it prompts him to, to, to confess his sin. It may prompt you to confess your sin. Oh, forgive my hidden faults, he says. And it might be that you need to turn back to the Lord now and say, Lord, I'm sorry for undervaluing your word. I'm sorry that I haven't listened to you speak in creation. I'm sorry that I haven't listened to you speak in your perfect law in the Bible. Oh, please forgive me. And then he finishes with this amazing prayer. And I'm going to pray it on behalf of all of us now. May these words of our mouths and these meditations of our hearts, oh Lord, would, would they be pleasing in our sight, in your sight, sorry, Lord, my rock and my redeemer? I wonder, do you need a firm place to stand on as everything else seems to be shifting sands under lockdown? No certainties. Let the Lord be your rock. I wonder, do you need comfort when you feel down? Let the Lord be your redeemer, the one who welcomes you in with open arms, no matter how much we have failed. When we come back to him, he runs towards us with open arms and hugs us and lays on a feast for us. He loves the lost coming back to him. So if the message of creation is like a portrait of God, we can see his contours, but not too much about him. 
Well, then the message from him in the Bible is a love letter from him. I wonder whether we are enjoying and savouring that. Lots of love to you all. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I hope this has been a blessing to you and you have a really good session. Keep in touch. Bye now.